Hello and welcome to Fintech Impact. I'm your host, Jason Pereira. Today on the show, I have Kevin Mulhern, CEO of AdvisorStream. AdvisorStream is an omni-channel media management tool for advisors to better communicate and market to their clients. And with that, here's my interview with Kevin. Good morning, Kevin. Good morning. Thanks for taking the time today. Well, thanks for having me on. Yeah, we're at the CIFPS uh, conference and Kevin's presenting today, so I thought to pull him aside. So Kevin of AdvisorStream, tell us about AdvisorStream. AdvisorStream has been around for about seven years and it came out of work I had done building tools for advisors at a number of places. AdvisorStream is an automated digital marketing platform powered by the world's most credible publishers, Bloomberg, Dow Jones, Wall Street Journal, Barron's, uh, New York Times, Washington Post, Globe and Mail, Toronto Star, Money, Forbes, Fortune, Economist, et cetera, et cetera, mm -hmm. different publishers for different markets. And why AdvisorStream is here today is I noticed while working at Richardson GMP, where I was a partner years ago, was that there were very powerful digital tools now available for advisors to utilize to build their business, build AUM and build client retention that just weren't being used. In fact, from our estimation, there was probably about 5% of advisors that we could see who were actually deploying digital tools. How long tools. ago was this done? 2013. So, oh boy, one would hope. So any idea where that number stands now? 29%. Jesus. You know, and it's funny. I mean, we've already had, I've had two different uh, advisor website marketing companies yep. before and the fact that they still get protests of i don't need a website like yes. what day and age am i listening living in? like the reality is i feel like without a social media presence it's like it's like not having a phone in this day yeah. and age that's right yeah that's interesting i'm completely in agreement with uh hearing those types of responses and in fact the presentation we're doing here at cifp today at 3 p.m is going to cover why you should do it, what the ROI is on engaging clients digitally, and actually what the drawbacks are if you don't do it. There's actually- Wait, there's, there's actually something that's detrimental to your business if you don't engage clients where they exist? What a shock that is to me. <laughs> yeah. you know, the good thing about hearing all this is that clearly this is a big growth industry for you because <laughs> there's a large untapped market. Okay, yeah. so let's, uh, before we get into the dynamics and the resistance and everything sure. else that goes along with revised ridiculousness, let's talk about basically what it is you're executing on. So sure. you have a platform, you aggregate articles of interest, I believe, into one advisor console. And then from there, how does this manage? Like what, what does the tool actually look like and how does it work? Right. So that's correct. We work directly with publishers. That makes us unique. There are no other solutions anywhere today. So are they selecting the articles specifically based on topics to push into your engine? We do that, but okay. we're completely integrated. So we have live feeds mm -hmm. coming from, let's take an example, Wall Street Journal. And yeah. let's take a US Wall Street Journal in Canada, Globe and Mail, in the UK, The Guardian. The Wall Street okay. Journal applies everywhere. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah, Actually, yeah. that's true. Wall Street Journal, Forbes, Financial Fortune, Times, Financial yep. Times, Economist. Um, yeah, the, yeah, these do ride over different markets. And yeah. in fact, one thing that people don't understand, and why would they, they've never been told, is that people like the Wall Street Journal and the New York Times and, and Washington Post actually create content just for Canada. So even though they have those those names that yeah. seem American, particularly someone like well, the Wall Street never, Journal. You never logged into the website and, and seen for Canada, it's right, right there. Right, <laughs> right, right. I mean, Apple News is making it a little bit easier now, but uh, yes, nevertheless. Yes. Okay, so data comes in, what happens with those articles after that? Right, so I'll give you just a architectural schema kind of it. So how this works is, we have these partnerships, we have feeds of data coming in. We have to determine at AdvisorStream using technology and people, what content will actually be used, come into what we call the library, and then we're fully automated, then be posted to an advisor's social media accounts, Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, to websites and blogs, 
and also used in newsletters, which is unique. The newsletter piece is different. It's an outbound digital channel. You control when you send it, you control what's included, you control what your clients and prospects are gonna see, as opposed to inbound channels like LinkedIn, your website, blogs, where you're waiting for someone to come and visit you. So they're very different in that. We work at AdviceStream to connect the dots, to connect all those digital tools, those digital channels, and make sure that credible current content, which makes engaging content, is being used across all your channels. And all of that content carries an opt-in. So every time someone who's not a client, yet a client, interacts with your content, regardless of which channel, we're going to capture you a new lead. So at the end of the day, you're kind of sitting in the middle where people are like, okay, I, have, I can look for content. I can basically put it out there, but someone needs to, you're serving it up on a platter for them and you're measuring engagement and dealing with the, what's, what am I actually getting out of this? Yes. Exactly. So you're, you're basically, and then the, take it, there's all kinds of, of scheduling tools that basically right. can put things in. So basically what's happening is you're helping people put that content out there, source it, all of that, giving them the feedback on what they've done and what they've accomplished with it and kind of giving them an integrated suite. So for lack of a better term, there's already a bunch of social media style managers out there, the tweet decks of the world, the uh, Hootsuites, the yep. buffers and mm -hmm. whatnot. And you're basically, you're a vertical focused on the financial services industry. Yeah. There's a couple differences between sure. us and any other product. Mm -hmm. uh, the ones you named, um, there's also hearsay socials, one that some firms are using. Yep. But as the name says, it's social only. We're mm -hmm. omni-channel and you've mentioned Hootsuite. We actually are work with Hootsuite in some cases, but we are very different than any other tool out there. Okay. And here's why. And it is becoming extremely important, particularly in Europe, uh, we, but where <laughs> well, the law What is, could possibly be the reason for that? <laughs> yeah, because there's actually copyright laws that are Linking issues. Enforced. Right, oh, right. God. So that's what makes us entirely different. And let's be totally frank here is we pay a lot of money to mm -hmm. the publishers to use their content for commercial purposes. Mm. So no advisors are, or their firms are going to be at copyright risk. In the UK, as of January 3rd, you literally can't just link to an article yeah, for commercial which purposes. which is utterly insane. But let's, we can argue That's that, that, forever. that Yeah, I mean, for us, it doesn't matter whether you agree with it or not, it is a reality. And we've been spending a lot of time over there. But our, our largest client source, obviously, is the United States yes. as a market. It's a big majority of mm -hmm. our revenue and our clients. We work with very large broker dealers like Mass Mutual, 12,000, Steras, 9,000, mm -hmm. et cetera. And we work in Canada with the largest networks as well. We're not saying and we're not even predicting that you'll see protection for, for publishers in Canada or in America anytime soon. But forget that. That's really a side note. What's really different about using something like AdvisorStream is that when your clients receive a newsletter, and in that newsletter, perhaps you have a firm article on estate planning and you the advisor has a piece of content for something they're want to focus on, we'll find content from our partners, Wall Street Journal, Barron's, mm -hmm. Global Mail, Toronto Star, supporting your theme and your messaging for that newsletter. And when your client or your prospect clicks on, let's say that Wall Street Journal article, they're not going to be sent to a paywall, which you are going to be with every other system. And even if they have a subscription in this example to the Wall Street Journal and they get through, it's a bad experience if your client has, has to pull out a credit card exactly. to get the info you want. Yeah. But even if they have a subscription and get through, that Wall Street Journal article or that Forbes article or that Globe Mail article is going to be surrounded by competing advertising. So there's going to be calls to action from all your competitors. And you're literally putting your clients in the line of fire of your competitors. So that's the big thing is client experience. Forget, forget copyright laws. Yeah. Client experience is everything. And the other thing to remember is if your clients don't have a great experience and the content's not 
really current, about three or four days current, they're not going to share it with their networks, creating new leads. Correct. So, and let's go back to the omni-channel. Yeah. Right. So you mentioned omni-channel, so you're not just social media. Tell me about what else you're pushing out to. So we fully believe, and I know you and Michael Kitsis know each other well. We did a webinar. Oh, no, no, we know each other. I wouldn't say well. Okay. <laughs> but, but I know you're well aware of, we've, we've of even, Michael. I, Mike will not re recognize me from a crowd. He might recognize my name. Well, <laughs> everybody recognizes Michael because of his blue shirts. <laughs> but And his omnipresence. <laughs> yes. Well, and speaking of omnipresence, we have an omnichannel solution. Last Wednesday, we did a webinar specifically on that yep. and the criticalness of using many digital channels. And let's be clear about digital channels. So I'm talking about using newsletters, an outbound channel, and I'm talking about using social media, LinkedIn, Facebook, Twitter, whichever you think is important. We support them all. We're partnered with them and your website and your blog. So that's why when I say omni-channel, what ties those channels together is quality, credible content, whether you've written it, your firm's written it, or you're using third-party content mm -hmm. to support it. Content is really king and it is the linchpin of a digital strategy. You want great, credible, engaging content on all of those channels. And then the one other piece of omni-channel, which we think is absolutely the most important thing for engagement, and there's lots of studies on what engaged clients will do for you, and we can talk about that. But that outbound channel email, email newsletters in particular, you don't want to send the same newsletter to every client. A 72-year-old doesn't want to get content about getting rid of student debt. Yes, um, and, and a 22-year-old doesn't want to get a newsletter which is focused on estate planning or legacy, right? Mm -hmm. So our systems use artificial intelligence and that terms being thrown around like crazy. It means many things, many of them not intelligent, but go on. Right. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And so what do we mean by that? And anyone who uses that term, you should say, what exactly are you talking about? And what we're talking about at Advisor Stream is we create consumption profiles on every single client an advisor has. We know what they're engaging with, what they're reading and watching and sharing. Sharing is key if you want to create new leads. Mm -hmm. So we use consumption profiles to have recommended content and the ability to send absolutely unique newsletters. Some content might be the same across mm -hmm. those newsletters. Let's say there's a change to the tax law or there's you're, we're entering RRSP season and there's our reminders. Obviously, there's some information that is important to anybody who's preparing for retirement, anyone who's investing. But you need targeted content if you actually want to engage the different clients in your book. And along with that, we are strongly recommending that advisors try to communicate not just with the account holder, but the whole family, the whole household. And that's something we can do at scale, no extra effort, no extra expense. And we believe strongly that you should start to engage with everyone with Great. unique content. Well, I always find it amusing how like the industry talks about like, oh, the succession opportunity that exists, but then they complain about the small clients taking on the <laughs> right. kids. It's like, where do you think the money is going? Right. Anyway, right. I mean, a number of interesting points hit there. I mean, the... You're on a couple of really interesting trends, simply because, again, the entire like mass blast of the same content to everybody, just, you know, why do you think click rates are basically, you know, in the low single digits across yeah, the board, right? right? right. It's because, that's you right. know, you basically sent out something that's relevant to 5% of the population to 100% of the population, maybe 1% of that 5% actually opened it up. Right. It's a spray and pray attitude. That's, if anything we talk about today, yeah. what you've just said is probably the biggest thing that we're trying to change it's not magic and it's not rocket science. No. The reality is open rates are about 20, just over 
So the amount for yourself less than a quarter or for, for the industry, for the industry, for the financial services. I find that high. Okay. Yeah. Well, yeah. well, but yeah, let's get to your point. Yeah. The click-through rate. Sure. Someone might open your newsletter since yeah. you're managing their money. They, yeah. They're glad you haven't left town and yeah. they're glad that you're communicating with them. But they open that 21% on average in financial services. And then under 3%, 2.59 actually yeah. percent actually will read something. Which is the only way you actually get validation is that they actually, yeah, no, the click rates is the only way you get validation if they, if right. they actually read something, which is why we always do teasers with a link to the actual floor. Right, right. right. Like the click through rate and there's clicked open and there's click through yeah. rate, but forget that they're both low. Like you said, they're low single digits. So but think why, about yeah, this. But again, like you said, I'm 35 years old and I get something about, you know, not spoiling your grandkids with trusts <laughs> or something like that. Right. I'm just exactly. a random That's a perfect example. Yeah. Like, you know, how do I start your family trust to care of like minor children when I'm the grandparent? Right. Okay. Well, right. Okay. Why am I getting this? So, like, you know, the person's not individually thinking of you. Yeah. And the thing that should be exciting, frankly, yeah. for advisors is the tools are there today. And yes. advisor stream is definitely one. There, there are others that do it differently, but certainly the tools are there today where you spend no extra money no extra time to send unique communications that know exactly what's important to each person in your client base and even their family members if you choose which we think you should to go that far but so people are still as you say spraying and praying spraying and, pray. and knocking people over the head with one newsletter or or one area of their website for, for information or news or education yeah when they don't have to do it that's the exactly. that's the sad part and you know it's interesting because there's there's two sides to this right there is the if you're gonna you know get hyper-specific and niche, very hard into a niche, right? Like basically, you can basically focus all your attention in a way of just basically creating content around that, right? And that is highly effective. But if you are like the vast majority of advisors who have a va who have a very broad audience and do not niche and basically tend to service, you know, right. my favorite joke is the old, uh, they're like, well, who do you service? Well, I, you know, I go after business owners, executives, and high net worth families. I'm like, well, thank you for telling me you go after people with money. Okay, right. like, that's <laughs> all you're saying, right? right? But, you know, the vast majority of people in a situation where they're not doing that, they're not picking and choosing. Right. And those people who, again, are doing these newsletters and calling them ineffective, well, do you wonder why they're ineffective? Yeah. Right? Like, they're ineffective because we live in a world where, I hate to quote the devil of, uh, of, of terrible uh, privacy, uh, but Facebook right. Right. basically serves up stuff that's customized exactly to what you like. Right. Right. And everybody can do it today. Everybody can do it. And you know what? They have user engagement that's far beyond low single Absolutely. digits. Absolutely. Right? They wouldn't have built the empire they had if they didn't. So the issue is not so much that they're bad because they tired of data leaks, uh, <laughs> but, the, um, but the fact that, you know, those tools can be used to create a positive experience, right? Yeah. And one that's compelling that shows clients that you actually understand them, whether care. you're not a minute, care. Thinking. Yeah, absolutely. Or make, <laughs> make the effort, okay? And yeah. so let's talk about the resistance you sure. get, because this is always the yeah. amusing part of, in the, yeah. uh, for to me, because I've always been yeah. an early adopter. So what are the typical protests you hear? Yeah, uh, it's a good question. And in fact, today at our session, we're going to bring some of these up. Again, our session is going to be about the ROI that you can get from engagement. We'll get to that. Yeah, yeah no, I won't talk <laughs> right about that now. But then we're going to quickly move to what is the resistance and what's the realities. And so the resistance we often get, particularly with really successful advisors, is- Oh, the second I'm fat, I start getting slow. Yeah, yeah. and not only that, they, they'll say, well, listen, and I totally understand what they're saying, but we'll often get, well, you know, I've built a great book of business. I've, I've been in business for 32 years. Mm -hmm. And, so a lot of people. you know, yeah. And why should I start doing digital marketing? And again, there are reasons. And along with that one, 
which we get from a wide range of advisors is I think that clients don't want to hear from me more than they already are. And that's not true. And we have the studies. We'll show them today to prove the it. The number one reason people leave advisors is lack of contact. Thank you. So we're going to highlight that today. It's above bad advice. Yeah. <laughs> it's, above oh, it's, it's, above, it's above bad advice and fees. Yeah, it's. I know. Like, it's just crossing fees right now. Yeah. I, I just heard that. We have a slide on that today. And there's multiple studies on it. So to answer your question, the pushback we get is, well, I've never done it. I'm successful. Why should I do it? Yeah. And the reality is, and we're seeing this a lot in the United States, particularly in the RIA market where we're really booming. Well, no is, surprise there. They're more entrepreneurial in mindset in well, general. That's right. Yeah. And they also are really concerned with the value of the book they're going to sell, right? Oh, and, age they should be. Yeah. And so <laughs> retention rates and like you, ju you just mentioned, the number one yeah. factor is the number one reason people leave is lack of communication. The second thing that people should think about is every single... There's multiple studies on this too. Every single investor group, regardless of age, gender, account size, region, or any other demographic factor you can find, yep. gets on average 26 touch points a year. Calls, meetings, emails, yep. they all want more. Every single group has stated it. And when you communicate more, you convert more assets. Yep. So there's an easy answer here is even if you haven't used digital marketing, the people who are going to take your business over or that you're going to sell they your business are. to should. But this is even a simpler principle to me. The simpler principle is you go where your clients are. So let's imagine all the paradigm shifts that have happened over time. Why would I use a phone? I've had a successful, <laughs> I've had a successful business going door to door, right. knocking on people's right. like, Why would I use a phone? Right. right? Meanwhile, that's market yeah. expanding, right? <laughs> why would I, why would I use email? Yeah. Right? I've right. had a successful, I get on the phone, I get, I'm a successful, right? right? Why do I need a website, which I keep on yeah. still here? So here's the I've thing. heard that a lot today. Yeah, but this is this is the crazy thing is that you say that now, but you, again, first of all, don't understand how much you're giving up for not having that. Secondly, if clients, do you drive to see clients at their houses? Yeah. The answer is yes. That's because, why? Because you're going to meet them where they are. That's right. If they live right. in the online sphere, why in God's name are you not meeting them where they are? Yeah, absolutely. I there's a lot I could say around that, but it's very true. I mean, there's a, when we're going to quote a, a study from investmentnews.com, a couple of them today in the session that talk exactly about what you're talking about. But I heard a good one. I think it goes along with some of your analogies and examples, but uh, it was about the light bulb. So apparently there was large adoption on light bulbs yeah. uh, when they first came out that Edison had convinced Nikola Tesla to work for him, figured out generators. Yeah, go on. <laughs> figured out generators and was able to deliver at a pretty large scale light bulbs into homes. And believe it or not, as the initial light bulbs broke hmm. and they would need changing, it was a little more work back then. People said, ah, this isn't worth it. Let's go back to candles. So there was a cohort of people There's who went back to be, candles. There's always going to be that. And you know, of course, the then is, it but went in, forward. In hindsight, we all look at these things and think, oh, how utterly ridiculous <laughs> these human beings were. And then we fall upon the same issues right. today, right? And it's just, don't get me wrong, I understand this. The human brain, neuroscience has proven this, we are wired to resist change, right? It actually takes more energy to use new neural pathways that you're developing than pre-existing ones. So it's like the, it's like the, it's like a beaten path, That's right? That's interesting. Yeah, so a beaten path requires- So there is a scientific reason there for is, this. There is, like there is. The, the human brain basically works off the equivalent about like a, a simple light bulb, right? Right. In terms of energy. Energy is actually a scarce resource to the human mind. And we're going off topic here, but this is interesting nonetheless. Mm -hmm. And just like you going through a forest, basically, if you take the beaten path, it's going to be an easier walk, right. Right? right? You decide to basically go over a non-beaten path, it's going to take more energy. Right. Exact same thing. That's why recall and doing things that you've done before requires, eventually this becomes automatic. You just, you don't right. have to think, right? Because right? you've already beaten that path in your mind. Right. Anyway, so let's move beyond that. Sure. So ROI, talk to me about ROI. Sure. So what's in it for me? Okay. So <laughs> you know, in terms of ROI, it's simple too. The reality is 
engaged clients. So clients who report feeling engaged, connected to their advisor on a consistent basis, will refer five times more than someone who doesn't feel you're communicating, caring about them, and that what you're sending them matters to them. So it's important. And remember, it's cheap and easy. You just got to set up an automated marketing account. It's not like you have to do all a lot of work. But in terms of ROI, engagement, just on engagement, engaged clients refer five times more than non-engaged clients and they invest twice as much. Okay, so let's even assume that the client advisor is doing a really good job of communication traditional channels and that number does not match up, even if it's two times. Right. Right, like, sure. and again, so again, looking at all the all the numbers line up, people leave for lack of communication, right? And people, more often than not, people think that's one-on-one face-to-face communication. It doesn't have to be, doesn't right? You, you need to be reminded that your- It's touch points. Well, it's, yeah, exactly, right? So the last thing you want is someone opening up their statement at the end of the year, looking at it and think, I haven't heard a high nor hair of this person right. for three months. Right. Right. Like, how is that sufficient in today's paradigm? I read a stat just yesterday and worked it into our presentation today for today. And um, the stat was the percentage of advisors who communicate with their clients, children. Abysmal. But you know what the best part is? It's brutal. It's it's brutal. But you know, I've sat in these in these meetings. They don't want meetings. No, they don't want them. They want communication. Well, they want communication, right? And the other thing is, is that it's, and this is always a generational paradigm shift, right? Like I've sat in these these conferences where like people like, ah, millennials, I don't understand millennials. Like, you know, they have no money. They don't understand. I look at them and I'm like, you know, I'm like, I'm like, yeah, I sure, I thought you're, I'm sure your parents' generation thought you were a winner also. Oh, absolutely. Like, uh, you know, there's that old saying about, it was someone way back who said, I don't know who this could you. It was, you know, kids today don't spend enough time studying and doing good things. They're basically, or working. They spend too much time screwing around with their buddies and getting in trouble. And I saw that quote to people like, yeah, that's what it's like now. Like, no, that's what Socrates said. <laughs> right. Like, Socrates or Plato right. said it. it I have just like, something way less, uh, like, um, firm than that. I remember the movie Breakfast Club and I remember there's a scene where the janitor says, no, it's the principal who's who's holding yeah. this, this Saturday recess for these bad kids. That they actually attention. showed up to, but go on. Right, right, right. <laughs> and they actually did assignments. Yep. But I think the quote was, these kids are going to run this country someday, and it scares the hell out of me. Right? Yeah. And I think every generation's yeah. parents think that. I think that, too. Yeah. I mean, they have they no were, money, of course, oh yeah, but they are going to have money. Meanwhile, I feel like I feel like you can look back and see how much trouble the parents got into, and you're like, okay, yeah, give me <laughs> right, a break. Right. The, uh, we, we all like to look with hindsight bias. And, and you know, it's funny, because, uh, and I'll, I'll plug XY Planning Network on this one. You know, it was one thing, one of the things I heard, um, something someone said in Elmer's podcast. All right. It was, uh, basically, he was talking about how people think that my practice is all about millennials. You're out of your mind. Right. My practice is all about taking other people's clients' money when their parents die. Right. 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 And it's just like he was talking about how much money he had, like inheritances lined up in his in his software. Right. That was playing yeah. the key. He goes, I'm just assuming they all die at 100, worst case scenario. Right. Right. And, you know, my practice is going to grow by X number of times Absolutely. over, like orders of magnitude over, right. just waiting for these people to drop off. Right. And it's like, Sorry, people, if you're not engaging that next generation of client yeah. and you're not bringing them into the circle and treating them with the respect that they deserve because they are part of the, the family right. unit, you're just letting someone else take yeah. that inheritance and goodbye. Yeah. And, you know, so this you're conversation not, oh, comes up. Yep. You're not solving the problems of the family. You are limiting right. the definition of the family to the narrowest scope possible to profit profit. Right. And I think if that's exactly correct. And I think if you do engage through the channels that children want, and we've got some great stuff in our presentation today about that. It's simple and you can automate it. That's the most wonderful thing. You can use algorithms and real-time content to get everyone in the household exactly what they're interested in. And you can do that consistently. Let's talk about some non-scary words for the average listener. I go on this from zero to your experience. How long does it take people to actually get to the point where like, oh, I've got this. Like, like what's the, what's the onboarding time for the advisor? Forget that. Right. Good question. So we onboard an advisor between 45 minutes and an hour, but we meet with our advisors every three months. We optimize their account. We make sure they're following up with all their new leads. Believe it or not, 
We've had advisors call and say, you know, I don't think I'm getting a lot of value from this. We do an analysis. We don't allow this to happen anymore. Yeah. But we did for a number of years. We do an analysis, take a look at their account. They've got 26 new leads, yeah. none of which they've contacted. Yeah. So that's our fault, not their fault. So we've created ways now where we nudge them, call them, use email alerts and send them a weekly engagement report. So now it's pretty much well, impossible. It, it, it's funny because I remember this, this discussion with, with someone who was telling me like, oh, they hired the social media person and the social <laughs> media person is like, you know, basically, oh, this is what we did. We got you this many likes, this many followers, this much, right. whatever. And they're like, yeah, but I got no business out of it. We got you this many likes, this many followers, this many hearts. What did you do to follow up with these right. people who engaged you? Right. Like, you know, we all think that the thumbs up is just like, oh, we're going to ignore that. Like someone compliments you or make a comment on right. an article you post right. and you have no idea who they are. Yeah. Love of Christ, engage them. Like, would you yeah. do this at a cocktail yeah, party? right. You know, you say something brilliant about like how that person, how you help someone. Sure. Wow, you do that? Like, that's fantastic. Thanks. Do you walk away from that conversation? Right. No, right. you engage that person. Right. And so actually the linchpin of getting new business from digital marketing is making sure that when they heart something or thumb up or, or whatever they do is providing a method for capturing email addresses so you can nurture. And our system yeah. automatically starts that nurturing. We don't wait anymore because people will get leads yeah. and not Follow reach up. out. You so got, we, you, you, gotta, you gotta complete the, the, the cycle for you us. Do. Okay? That's you, what I'm saying. You, you, gotta, you gotta, for advisors, you, you just gotta make it. We were forget, told you know? this years ago. Yeah. And when we started this, I've been working with advisors for over 20 years at a number of firms, building tools for advisors. Yeah. So. I had a bit of a skewed view. And also we had an advisory board of 20 advisors from across Canada, success, very successful advisors. Yeah. And that was the problem. They were all too successful. And they told us what to build. And of course, they always have staff, these advisors, these very large books. Yeah. And so the they would just push it to, the, yeah. right, right. So we took the build of the original advisor stream, what we call V1, and we didn't have automated follow-up. We didn't automate everything. That's because the advice and the mapping we had to build that product from our advisory yeah. board were people who had staff who would do all the work. Then yeah. we realized not everyone has staff so, who is going to do all that work. So we need to automate it. Yeah. So two comments to that. Ivan Chernoff, the founder of Patagonia in his book, <laughs> uh, you know, in the interview, right. he basically said a quote that I will now call Ivan's law, which is there's two ways to grow. You When you grow fat, you go strong. <laughs> right. right. So you determine that. Unfortunately, since people can just grow fat. And I say that as an overweight <laughs> male adult. The other point is the um, is that the entire paradigm these days of I'm just going to hire staff and pass on the work I don't like. Yeah. And I'm just going to kind of, I'm going to delegate and ignore the stuff I don't like doing. Right. That ain't going to work going forward right. because everybody else is finding a way to make that thing work by itself. So uh, listeners, I apologize. We ran out of batteries for the first time ever. And I hope I don't <laughs> on this one because this, this second part is being recorded actually like two, three weeks later. Something yeah, like three weeks. Okay, okay, so three weeks later. So I'm going to wrap it up with the traditional questions. So here we go. The last three questions I ask everybody. Three weeks later on other opposite end of the country. Opposite end of the country. <laughs> so first question, if you had one wish for something you could change in the industry, the company, just as a whole, what would it be? Wow. That is one open-ended question. Um, Stumps everybody. <laughs> for either side, the advisor side of the yeah, world, whatever or you think is going to be the, the best, you know, for, for you, for the world, whatever it is. Yeah, well, I think um, it's it's fascinating all the innovation going on in fintech in general. Of yeah. course, that's where we spend our time. So I'm going to immediately kind of gravitate to that. I think there's exciting stuff going on south of the border and north of the border around financial planning, around mm -hmm. client portals, around a number of things. And I think things like AI, but that's as we talked about, Vancouver yeah, is well of, overused. Yeah. But using smarter tech, machine learning and, and algorithms to personalize not only the plan experience, but then the communication experience, I think is a great trend. So what would I hope? I hope to see that even speed up more. 
out to see more Canadian technologies dominate, at least be leaders. And I think there's people all over this country, and you're probably more aware of this than I am, (laughs) that are becoming leaders and we're integrating with uh, players across both sides of the border and actually on the other side of the pond. And and that's what we're doing at AdviceStream. So getting to the question, I hope personal finance and wealth management becomes something that the masses grab a hold of and that uh, these people with not large account sizes start to get given some of the great tools that the baby boomers have. And I think we're going to see that. And um, you're seeing some wild changes in compensation structures. In the field, not in Canada yet. But not not else, in Canada yeah. yet, but you're seeing it everywhere else. Certainly we're seeing it in the UK. We just spent uh, a couple days in uh, Philadelphia with Edmund Walters and, and uh, the InvestNet team and the Money Guide Pro guys and, and a whole bunch of other technologies. And, and it's really exciting to see what's going to be out there, not just for the the high net worth people, but the people who will be high net worth, but are having a slower start. So yeah, I I just hope more technology makes wealth, just financial wellness more attainable for more people. Excellent. As for, and little tidbit, I'm not going to get into it, but for, uh, if you're not aware, recent legislation changes in Australia could be the death knell for AUM as any kind of advisor compensation. So for those of you who think it's not coming. Well, Michael Kitts has had some interesting articles around uh, alternative. Hey, I believe in it. I've seen it. I know people doing it, but I mean, retainer-based, percentage of income-based. I know people have actually done it in Canada to some moderate degree success. Well, they're starting and people understand it, but as you educate them. It's going to happen. I think it's exciting. Well, I, I think change is always exciting. Well, the reality comes down to is that financial plans give you a true profession with the bill like profession, professionals. Yeah. Like, that's it. There's always, I mean, don't get me wrong, there's an asset management fee for asset management, right. and that scales differently. But reality is, is that if I'm giving advice at 10000 you know, for $10,000 to one client and the same advice and they're paying 30000 eh, it doesn't make a lot of sense. Right. No, that's absolutely yeah. true. So, moving on, second question. What's been the biggest challenge in getting the company to where it is today? Wow, that's another good question. I think um, the end. <laughs> you know, I, I think. Um, it's always, we're a Canadian company, 90% of our revenues in the U.S. We're starting to see nice Exchange growth. Exchange is your UK. biggest. <laughs> uh, no, no. What I was going to say is, is uh, we don't have, um, it's harder to get massive amounts of money right out of the gate like we see some uh, some fintech startups get in the U.S. So, you know, we really did have to basically bootstrap and uh, it's tough to have a big marketing budget when you bootstrap. So the mm-hmm. biggest, I'll put it in the words of a friend and someone we work with. From the Philadelphia area, Rafe Lee at SEI, great supporter. And uh, I think he put it best. Advisor Stream's the best uh, marketing solution for advisors in the industry that nobody's heard of. <laughs> so I was, you know, backhanded yeah. compliment. But um, I think the, it's true. It's it's tough to go out there and get a lot of uh, mind share against companies who, who may not you know, it's up to uh, the advisor to decide what product is the best, but that I believe may not be as strong as our product, but certainly uh, they're they're almost household names. And so that's a challenge for but Canadian it's a, it's firms. It's a challenge because there's so many, this, here's the thing, right? Like, first off, every advisor is now becoming their own CTO to some degree, which right. is difficult because many of them are just not cut from that cloth at right. all. Secondly, how many different software, I've had the question asked to me, like, oh, God, how many software do you subscribe to? Like, <laughs> as many as I need. Like, this <laughs> right. is what you have to understand. Right. There's a function needs to be done. It needs to be right. done efficiently. So that's the second part. And then it was, uh, and as for how convoluted it's becoming, you know, I'm sure you've seen Kitsis's entire financial, like fintech landscape. Absolutely. He's We're in it. We're happy to yep, be a part of that massive growing I'm cloud. I'm checking people off of that cloud. <laughs> uh, but the point is, it's funny because he made a comment the other day of how he put it together to basically show like how much option, how many options yeah. there were and, you know, to give you kind of a, a, a rule to go by or like some right. sort of guide. And now it's being used as an example of how fragmented and convoluted the entire market is. Yeah, no, <laughs> that's so true. 
true. Yeah, it's, uh, you know, I read, it was a, no, it was a, a podcast I was listening to yesterday from the CEO of a company called ProfitWell, mm-hmm. which is a payment systems out of San Francisco. Um, God, how many payment systems are there? Well, now? well, it's interesting. So he, he talked about what you're talking about. If you look at the Kitsis cloud, if we can call it that, the expectations of the consumer, the advisor in this case, are definitely increasing in a major way. Like net promoter scores are really down. Meanwhile, do you think the design of products is worse than it was seven or eight years ago? Absolutely not. They're no, and the, what it better. is is expectations. Oh, yeah. When you see that many wow. options, you know, it, it really makes all of us pull up our socks and have to really provide a premium experience and a superior product. And, and we're going to be held to the, your feet to the fire going forward more than we've ever seen before. You're going to have to have awesome products yep. that bring value to the advisor, to the client, and any stakeholder in between. And I think Canadian companies are doing that. And both in um, us in, in, in automated marketing and in planning and all kinds of different uh, in different ways. Excellent. Last question. What is it that you're working on that basically excites you the most, gets you out of bed, keeps you going and striving forward? Because, yeah, uh, as we know, entrepreneurship is a, yeah. <laughs> it's a fickle, fickle thing. <laughs> we have a couple. Uh, we have a, I personally have a couple things I'm really excited about. I'm not going to go into too much depth on those. But uh I'm excited for the integrations and the partnerships that I'm seeing occur, both for us and for other people. Kind of like the Kitsis cloud, you know how fragmented it is. Which of those vendors, fintech vendors and vendors in the cloud are going to connect like a puzzle and create a beautiful picture? And I yeah. think I think that's what excites me the most. We're, we're seeing ways to work with uh, all kinds of people in the RIA space and in the broker-dealer space. Yep. So what excites me most is seeing these technologies work together. Excellent. And I mean, I, I agree with you there because the age of siloing is over. You know, Absolutely. And in, in, in Canada, we have a harder, and I, I would say anywhere other than the States, they have a hard time wrapping their heads around that. And for any of you who don't get what I'm saying, take a look at Redtail, the CRM, yes. and look at their list of integrations. Yes. I can't even count how many there are. There's so yes. many now. Some of them are deep. Some of them are very superficial. But the reality is, is that as time goes on, we're creating these rule sets that basically just have That's everything, a good example. everything go left, right, and center. Yeah. And it's, uh, you know, forget just the simple fact of your CRM pushing the name of the client to a financial planning software. No, we're talking about everything having access to everything that's relevant. So, yeah, you know, there's another whole topic, uh, which you would probably be more schooled on than I am. But, you know, the CRM, like, is, you know, there's a debate, you know, do you shove everything into the CRM and run your life from the CRM or, or does that not make sense? Does that limit your capabilities that you would have? In another piece of software. I think the, the honest truth is, is and there's, there's, I've had this conversation several times, especially in my involvement in the Salesforce space. Right. The reality is, is that to try to reinvent your product within a CRM is a stupid move. The 80-20 rule proves to be true in just about every instance. So there's some mission critical things that should be absolutely stored in the CRM and yes. flow back and forth. Yes. And, but you know, should I be able to edit my financial planning results from Salesforce? No, like no, maybe exactly. maybe some of the simple fact, you know, simple like tool, the like calculator tools that, that flow through, maybe those can flow through. But if I need to make a, a big overhaul to a plan, it should be click through, open up, single sign on, work on that. And then that yeah. pushes the result back out. Yeah. And that's something I'd like to talk to you at another time about is, is um, we, we obviously integrate with Redtail. Yeah. Brian, Brian's a great guy. I think he's such a nice guy that everyone in the world wants to integrate with him. But also, it's a great product. He still has an interview. You're listening. <laughs> you, should get, you should get that from him. Uh, he's a super guy. I've had opportunity, as we all have, to, to talk to him a couple of times. But I'm just going back to Salesforce is, you know, we integrate with a lot of CRMs and we're taking a much deeper look 
at an integration for a couple really large clients. Oh, we should talk about that. Yeah, and, uh, and so <laughs> we are, we're trying to figure out that 80-20 rule, right? Yep. Like what goes in, what syncs back? Obviously we're gonna send all the new leads we capture. Yeah. We're gonna send pre-client meeting information, post-client meeting follow-up yeah. content. But yeah, if you don't, if you wouldn't mind and you have time, <laughs> well, let's Well now let's you guys know what we're time. talking about afterwards. <laughs> anyway, Kevin, thank you very much. I apologize for running out of batteries, let that into it a second time. And uh, you're my first bifurcated <laughs> interview, but it's my pleasure. It's turned out well. Thanks. Great. Thank, Thank you. you. So I hope you enjoyed that interview and uh, I hope you were as impressed with the metrics as I was. And I hope you lastly check out their platform and uh, give it a good look. So as always, this has been Jason Pereira on FinTech Impact. If you enjoyed this podcast, please leave a review on iTunes, Stitcher or whatever it is in your podcast. This podcast was brought to you by Woodgate Financial, an award-winning financial planning firm catering to high net worth individuals and their families. To learn more, go to woodgate.com. You can subscribe to this podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, and Google Play, or find more episodes at fintechimpact.co.